Hey, I'm Stuart McLeod, CEO and co-founder of Carbon. Welcome to the Accounting Leaders Podcast, the show where I go behind the scenes with the world's top accounting leaders. Today, I'm joined by Andrew Jordan, the CEO and founder of Connect4, which is a client meeting platform that allows you to have structured and efficient client meetings. Andrew is a trained accountant in corporate tax and M&A. He opened the UK office for Fathom, which is reporting software predominantly in the Zero ecosystem. During that period, he also founded Advisable, an education platform for professional services. Andrew is also the youngest trustee and treasurer at Prison Fellowship, the world's largest Christian non-profit organisation for prisoner and justice reform. He's delivered over 50 sessions in prisons in Australia and the UK, focusing on restorative justice. It's my pleasure to welcome to the Accounting Leaders podcast, Andrew Jordan. Thanks, Stuart. Good to be here. Good evening, Andrew, and appreciate your time today. That's perfect. It's wonderful. Whereabouts do I find you today? I am in uh, a WeWork in Cambridge, um, so yeah, north of London, about 45 minutes up on the train, get off the train, and you're at, I'm just opposite the train station there. You were actually educated nearby, were you not? Well, yeah, I mean, I started uh, originally in London, South London, then I went off to Bristol, so a bit further west, and then uh, started off in accounting in London, at BDO in uh, central London. And how long were you at BDO and in amongst the timesheet set? <laughs> oh, yeah, don't remind me. I'm still trying to I still <laughs> my dump code clients. Anyway, I won't go into that. But uh, So I was there for three and a half years. As soon as I qualified, I was out the doors, to be honest. I did my um, – I was in tax, so I did my accounting qualifications and my tax-specific stuff alongside each other, and then I moved on fairly soon after. And what was it about that in accounting world that – perhaps didn't see you there for generations to come. <laughs> I was in corporate tax, which I love the challenge of it. I did love the challenge of applying. I was kind of on the M&A side often as well, corporate tax M&A. And I was always the last man into the room. And then I got completely ignored on any deal. And then uh, I'd get two years down the line and, and uh, I'd say, I told you so. You weren't meant to do that, you know, approach. I would have no impact on the <laughs> transaction. I think I found that frustrating after a while. And I first made my way out of uh, practice and into in-house finance is kind of where I worked my way into. And in terms of industry finance, where was that after BDO? I was in uh, your original neck of the woods. So I went out to Australia, yep. actually. So I was out in Brisbane, which I loved. I loved. It's pretty equally sunny today in Cambridge, actually, to be fair. But there you go. <laughs> Probably not as humid. <laughs> no, true. And we don't get a downpour at 3 p.m. So that's good. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I went out there and I ended up contracting as an FC, a big mining company, which I did really enjoy, actually. Um, that side was, was good fun. Got thrown right into the deep end, but a lot of fun mainly around closing, winding up assets in Australia for a big mining company. I'm sure those assets have been wound up, redeployed and wound up more than once. <laughs> I think so. It was, um, yeah, Valley, a big Brazilian mining company, were exiting uh, from Australia. Well, they were changing, to be more precise, a way out of coal. And uh, we were selling up their assets on the East Coast to uh, mainly to Chinese JVs. Yeah, it was good fun. It was good. It was stimulating. Yeah. I've ended up in a completely different field again. Here I am in software, but <laughs> it was fun while it lasted. Brisbane can be a uh, – did you get out into the mines very much or mostly head office? No, no, I was in head office. It was 
first year GPFS as well. So I had all sorts of fun. So that was the first year doing general purpose financial statements in Australia. And they, there was all sorts of fun to, to unpack um, with previous years and, and whatnot. So I was head down in the office. Yeah. And how long were you in, in Bris Vegas for? Well, it was fairly short stint. It was about a year we were out there. So I went out with my now wife and she's a doctor and we thought we'd go out there, see if we liked it. We did like it, but we essentially came back partly for her job, but partly just to be closer to family back in the UK. Yes. It's got appeals, the UK, it's seasons and and whatnot. (laughs) And and yeah, closer to family. So we came back after a year. Yeah. And settled in Cambridge. And then, so when you came back, did you go straight into Connect4? What happened upon your return? No, there's another little chapter there. So I uh, found the Fathom guys and Fathom are a management reporting application in the, in the app world for the last what, dozen years now. Well, they happened upon me more specifically. I thought I was going to come back to Cambridge and do an MBA, but I think it was on AngelList. I had my details on there for something or another. So a startup um, site and they, Dan, one of the founders there came across me and uh, we started chatting for about my last month in Australia. I got on really well with them. So my wife came back to the UK and I stayed out there a bit longer. And essentially, I came on as a consultant for them to help with their accounting channel. And then I went, I essentially joined Fathom to set up the UK and EMEA operations, spent a bit of time in Seattle in their US office. Yeah. So initially I was setting up Fathom's EMEA operations. I mean, that was a well-established product by then. And Zero was, is a, um, you know, a very well-established company in the UK. Was it a natural channel to be able to, or was the accounting channel relatively easy to penetrate with Fathom or just the education piece was just as important and still early on? I think being a downstream ecosystem application, so something pulling data from a general ledger software like Zero, you kind of ride the tide a little bit. So Fathom was always going to do well. Of course, it was all down to me. Of course, it was all down to me and my brilliant strategy. (laughs) No, I think there was a sense that this was the way the industry was going with reporting. So all the reporting applications were doing well. But that said, there was a big challenge around how on earth do I do what do I do with these management reports as an advisor or these dashboards or whatever the jazzy new word might be for kind of a few years so I think there was a real challenge in the industry that I felt I saw a lot of great now I've got these insights we're doing something with the transactional data but how do I provide value to my clients with this diagram or this chart so there was real challenge with that what's the fathom office office in the UK are they well established now I think there's about a dozen of them. Uh, where was I left? I think there was eight, and now they're up to 12. So they're growing. Nice, steady growth. I think the landscape's going to change a little bit this week. I mean, Futurely has just been acquired by Sage. So that was one of the competitors in the reporting space. So that came out at the end of last week. And then there's there's a lot of challenge. For example, SIFT is a, a South African reporting tool, which is doing quite well. So, but yeah, on the whole, they're growing, doing well. There's certainly a halo effect from you know, the success of Zero and, and other online general ledgers. And so what was the impetus for Connect4 then? Glad you asked. Yeah, so kids, uh, they, uh, like I say, with, with the product that Fathom was offering, so a reporting tool, I did a lot of work actually interviewing accountants and I went into all sorts of reasons as to why they were struggling utilising this management reporting tool. Was it they didn't know how to price their new services. They didn't know what these service lines should be. They didn't know how to market them. They didn't know how to educate their staff. They didn't have the technology. There was all these different reasons. And 
I spent about 18 months creating something called Advisable, where I spent ages interviewing accountants and doing all sorts of questionnaires and did get a lot of data from that. But what I really found was the thing that really defined whether a firm was doing well in this space was whether if they talked to their clients, that was the common denominator. <laughs> I funny that. But so that, that was seemed pretty obvious to me. But then I realized there wasn't actually much in the way of support around utilizing how best to talk to clients. So kind of this was where CRMs are one-sided, practice management, maybe slightly not, but they are internally orientated. How can you create something two, two-sided? How can you create a process um, of best practice to help an advisor? And, and so that's, yeah, that's where Connect4 was really born from, that frustration of us not having an easy way to communicate well with, with clients um, or customers. So if client communication or and education was the issue what's the solution yeah 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 well so there's a few barriers if we take that a bit further for there's a lot can unpack with that and with communication there's obviously transactional communication then there's more relational and i'm more interested in the proactive relational side with our product and there's also challenges with smaller firms a lot of the communication is done by those at the top of a firm so what we started to build was actually a framework. So we have this prepare, meet, act framework. We've focused initially on meetings, for example. And with that framework, it basically enable best practice for that communication, whether it's for the firm owner or whether it's for engaging their whole team to be client managers and actually have that touch point with the client. So practically speaking... That seems to make sense, yep. <laughs> yeah, practically speaking, that means having a library of agendas, sending them out by automated ways before meetings. It means keeping track of meeting minutes from previous meetings with the client. It means having a branded web-based video tool. It means taking actions whilst in meetings. It means having documents there and then. It means embedding things like Loom videos into meeting spaces. And so that's what it practically looks like for us. And what about, it's fine to sort of describe the problem and identify the problem and perhaps even propose solutions. How do you see, is this embraced by the industry? Do you think that, that we've come as far as we need to have come in order to sort of be able to have the industry get on board with this kind of proactive communication and proactive client education? Are, they, are we seeing a significant enough change in this area? I think we are. I think I was on a panel at Accountex in London last week and we were talking a little bit about this. I think, I mean, firstly, there's two kind of spheres. There's the incoming communication from clients and then outgoing. So there's kind of the proactive and the reactive. I think that there is a space now for firms to do the proactive on a regular cadence. So a firm that as part of their service level agreement, as part of their ethos, they talk to clients once a quarter and the client can opt out, you know, but it's part of, uh, you know, they will. But then you can, the client can never leave you saying, you never spoke to us. You never offered to talk because you flip the whole thing. I gave the anecdote last week in a talk around like the whole, the legislation around transplants changed in the UK, for example, in 2020 from opt out. So opt in to opt out, basically. And the impact of that was huge. You know, if we could do the same thing with clients, like your firm, the standard protocol is we talk to you once a quarter and they can opt out of that. The difference would be would be massive. And I'm seeing some firms do this kind of really well. And what about the client base? Are they happy to be educated and and informed and brought along for the journey? I hope so. Yeah, no, I think they are. I mean, <laughs> 
the latest kind of data I think is out of zero report, for example, State of the Nation in Australia is probably the latest stuff that's come out. And I think um, they're the, the biggest kind of difference they'd seen over COVID. I think 49% of firms had said that they'd seen their clients' attitude towards technology change or their attitude yeah. towards that. And I think there is now an increase that, you know, clients are, are willing to use new bits of technology to communicate, to get advice, to get legislative changes uh, more frequently. So I think yeah, maybe the role of the accountant has been brought back into the limelight with <laughs> the near-death experiences of many startups and, and small businesses over the last couple of years. Yeah. And so you founded Connect4 and off the back of this research and and program that, uh, or sort of framework that you developed. And what's that experience been like so far? A roller coaster. It's been a lot of fun. I think building a product, an impactful product, takes a lot of a lot of iteration, a lot of work with even if you really understand a problem well or, or thought you did, I think there's still a lot more iteration, a lot of engagement with people who are feeling the pain each day. So I think that has been incredibly it's been a lot of fun, to be honest. I've just literally come off a whole afternoon pretty much talking to a carpet user in, in the UK who trying to understand the way her different service lines fit into meetings, just her way of doing work, basically. And I do this every day, and I've done it every day for the last sort of three years. And it's, it's fascinating, and I think I do really get my kicks out of that. So I enjoy that part of it. There's certain parts of a small business and startup that, that are less fun, I think. <laughs> the way I, for example, raise finance for the business, I'm really in keen on humans helping humans. So the way I've raised finance is through angels, um, and that's been a lot of fun. But it also means it's time intensive. Yeah. So there's different things that have been fun and challenging in equal measure. <laughs> As I'm sure you can uh, sympathise with. Oh yes, yes, yes. I do. I do considerably. What? Um, and so uh, you've been going two or three years now, and the product, if I can paraphrase, it, it, you know, in, enabling accountants primarily to better educate, better work with their clients. How's that? You could get a sales role, I'm sure. <laughs> and what's the feedback like so far from sort of trying to productize, you know, this framework that you sort of came up with? Yeah, I think there's a few things that are working really well. One is when you have a meeting with a client, the previous meeting history, be they minutes, actions, documents, meeting recordings, they're all stored in what we call a pod. So that you have the context of the previous meeting. So it kind of becomes a bit of an order of value but it also means you don't repeat yourself from the previous meeting and you don't have to be in the meeting so you can have invite colleagues into a pod to kind of view the outcomes without being there so i think that's been you know an area we knew would be valuable but we've had a lot of confirmation of that that builds over time as you journey with a client and then another area that we have seen is sort of standardizing onboarding it's not an area that i really so if you can build template agendas and template pods that are branded with your company branded and you invite your client into this place to onboard and you junior team members now can follow this process so a joint customer of ours and, and yours actually peter and um who runs a firm called pjco most of the people who do the client onboarding are probably 21 22 23 and he's just defined the process in connect for and in carbon and it's enabled them to run with it who are quite junior they follow the process of, of the maintenance so yeah those two areas have kind of been really positively um, positively received. And the it's obviously relevant to start in accounting. It's your background. It's the area that you did the most research in. What about, have you had interest from other areas, perhaps accountants using it with clients that they think, oh, this might be useful? Yeah, 
like I'm pretty passionate about impacting the accounting accounting space. I think, you know, like you say, I think there's a lot of work to do here. And I think we're just at the beginning of it with increased, you know, automation. And, and there will be firms that distinguish themselves by how they interact with their clients. So I think that there's a lot of potential here. That said, we have all sorts of types of companies using us. So like we're not targeting them as such to, to sell you, but business coaches, for example, seem to really like our platform. Software companies that do quite a bit of a sales process because they can keep the continuity. They can bring in, go from sales rep to onboarding specialist to account manager. The client and customer or customer stay in their pod. You bring the relevant person to them. So there's this kind of continuity or if someone leaves, you've still got the whole continuity. So yeah, that we are seeing interest from all sorts of types of business, which is exciting, but I am pretty focused on the accounts, the small accounting firm at the moment. That makes sense. And so what's, how many staff now and what do you see in the future for Connect4? Are you building this up for sale or what's the plan? Well, I think we're a lean team. We are, at the moment, we're four. So, you know, we're super lean, which is, yeah, puts a burden on, but also keeps us laser focused. And that's the real benefit of it. We will grow the team, but I do plan to keep it lean. So we will always be a lean team. We, or I hope at some point, we will have (laughs) no hands kind of sale process where we can really kind of bring people, other than the big firms, people can onboard onto our platform and there's this product-led growth approach of people loving our platform and signing up to it. So that's the end goal. In terms of where we want to take the products, for the next two years, it's about building a product that people love. I think over time, the practice management space, the, at the moment, like the proposal space, if you want to call it that, engagement space, will think that we're quite similar to them. So there might be roads there. But for now, we've got to build a product that people love. Otherwise, it's, it's worth nothing to no one. Yep, no, that makes sense. And you've got quite an interesting. There's you've got quite an interesting extracurricular activity that you participate in. And do you want to tell us a little bit about that? <laughs> got my CV there, he's good. <laughs> we, we do our research occasionally. Resume, <laughs> private investigators. Um, yeah, I do also. I'm into into my sport. I'm into certainly into that. Doing a triathlon on Saturday, so hopefully that goes well. I've, oh, which one? There's one. It's in Eton, which is sort of West London. Um, it's an Olympic triathlon there. Oh, a little Olympic one. That'll be fun. Yeah, I was talking to Ian last week. Who says you're both competitive with your tries? Oh yeah, his DNA is not as useful as mine in triathlon. That's for sure. And then I'm also pretty involved outside of sport in doing quite a lot in um, in prisoner rehabilitation. So I spend a lot of my time actually being a, a trustee for a charity that and a treasurer for a charity that focuses on bringing victims into prisons and running courses around kind of what we call restorative justice. So a lot of our justice system is based around those in prison getting sentenced based on the law. How can we actually try and enact change by making them aware of the impact they have on on other people? So yeah, that's something I do alongside. And how'd you get involved with that? I've been doing it for about 10 years. I think initially I realized I like to make a difference in whatever I do with software, whatever I do with charity work. I did quite a lot with homeless charities previously and I mentored some young offenders and I realized prison was one of the biggest opportunities to enact change in, in behavior. And it was being underutilized. In the UK, 44% of people leaving prison are back there within 12 months. So probably the biggest, one of the biggest state failures. So I realized there was a real kind of opportunity to make a change. And I got involved at that point. I just started going into prisons, helping on these courses. And 
yeah, went from there really. I did it for about 10 years, been in prisons all over the UK and Australia running these courses. And now I'm a bit busier. I, I help with the strategy side. And what um, you would have seen some things in your visits and in your journeys. What is there anything that sticks out as perhaps something that, you know, you're able to affect great change or something that really struck you as considerable in that journey? Yeah, I mean, there's been so many because it's a short course, but one of the things we do is bring those, so someone who's been impacted by crime. So someone who's had a, a family member murdered, for example, would very as part potentially as the healing process or grieving process, they will come in to this group of 20 guys who've all committed quite serious crimes and, and tell their story and, and the impact that's had on offenders. You know, I've seen, particularly in Australia, a lot of biker guys who are in for, I don't know, killing a policeman, for example, in the 80s or crimes there where they get sentenced very heavily, completely break down in tears, the recounting of a story by a victim of a crime. It's pretty powerful, pretty powerful stuff. Yeah, do you think that... Is there ways to expand those services or where do you see, you know, sort of charities like that being able to operate in in a post-COVID world? Are they, are they able to expand their reach and expand their impact? Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, I've been talking a lot about the strategy. We've just been going through the process of, of hiring a new chairperson. We've just gone through about 350 people over the last six months. We've just appointed someone yesterday who, who's got a real vision for what we're doing. And I think the kind of the... One of the most fulfilling things you can do, I think, as a human is help another human. It kind of, And I think this goes for Connect4 product as well as it does what we're doing in prisons. But I think humans impacting other humans in change has a lot of potential. And I think we're doing that more and more with, with the charity work, going back into prisons all over the UK and 140 prisons in the UK. And I think there's a lot more we can do to just impact change through humans telling their stories to other humans. And that's kind of, that's central to what I'm about, really. It's kind of that human to human impact. So yeah, there's a lot more potential for this charity prison fellowship. Sounds like you're very busy. What's what's on the plate for the remainder of the year? You've got summer coming up in the UK where everybody just goes drinking for 12 weeks. And it sounds like you're going to keep your triathlons and <laughs> make sure that don't turn into a bowling ball. So we appreciate that. And I'm sure your wife and your health does too. So well done on that. What... Um, <laughs> As you go into summer and look out towards the end of the year, what's plans for you and your family? I understand that there's another great change on its way. Yeah, so um, first child on the way in a few weeks' time. So that's probably a big plan for the summer. So that's pretty exciting. My wife and I, with the little one, we're toying with going out to South Africa and working from Cape Town for a month or two in October time. So we'll see how that all goes. It might be a bit ambitious. So that will be on the plan. And then business-wise... There's a huge amount we're doing. So there's a lot around working with other platforms at the moment that we're doing a big push on, and particularly some of the doing a lot of work with Google and Microsoft, which is slow progress, as you can imagine, deepening our integration with Carbon. Wonderful. Yeah, every time we give you, we give Jay or uh, Ian a kick around the API, we're, we're pushing it along. So yeah, we've got a lot happening there, which is great. So yeah, th- those are kind of the big things probably going on in my life for the next six months. We're also building a whole content area out on our platform around expert agendas, which is quite fun. So that piece is keeping me on my toes too. That certainly makes sense from a connection perspective. Well, uh, I won't give you any parenting tips. I don't think you've got this well under control. Good luck to you and your wife, Louise, for firstborn. I'm sure you've got the nursery all 
are well and truly uh, sorted out as <laughs> and ready to go. I think it's a very exciting time for you and your family and and congratulations on the success of Connect4 so far. I know that many of our joint customers are thrilled with the results and the way that they can bring about change uh, with their clients. And as you point out, you know, that's the reason that a lot of the reason we do what we do is bringing about change and enabling accountants to you know, be better with the clients that they serve and go on their client's journey of success. I mean, it means a lot to them and it means a lot to us in, to enable that. So we love working with uh, you guys and the team at Connect4 and I'm sure we'll continue to uh, see a lot of success as we go forward. Yeah, thank you, Stuart. No, I appreciate it. We love working with Carbon too. I think that external meeting tied up with the internal workflows of Carbon it does work really well and we will continue to improve it. Makes a lot of sense. Andrew, Jordan, thank you for your time today. I appreciate you being on the Accounting Leaders podcast. Appreciate it. And we get, I'll get that parroting tips later. No worries. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you found this discussion interesting, fun, you'll find lots more to help you run a successful accounting firm at Carbon Magazine. There are more than a thousand free resources there, including guides, articles, templates, webinars, and more. Just head to carbonhq.com slash resources. I'd also love it if you could leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to this podcast. Let us know you like this session. We'll be able to keep bringing you more guests for you to learn from and get inspired by. Thanks for joining and see you in the next episode of the Accounting Leaders Podcast.